Okay, we are continuing in the epistle of James, starting in today in chapter 3. We're just going to look at that first verse for a while, the beginning of James chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Okay, so James has just finished this portion about faith and works. And now he again is speaking, again underscoring he is speaking to believers in this book, as we learned from chapter 1. But it's underscored here in chapter 3, verse 1, because he says, My brethren. So he's speaking to Jews who were believers in Jesus Christ, because those were his brothers now. And he says to them, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. So he is looking at himself also as a teacher, as he's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And so he puts himself in this grouping, of a grouping that could undergo a stricter judgment and will undergo a stricter judgment because of being a teacher. And he says, because of this, let not many of you become teachers. So among the brethren, he's saying not everyone is to be a teacher. We're not all called to be teachers. Now, we certainly are all able to teach. We all have have a a part to do in this where one-on-one we're supposed to be teaching. So there can be a one-on-one teaching, but we are not to be teaching all of us, not all of us are called to be teachers. So he says, knowing that you'll undergo a stricter judgment. So so there's a judgment that's stricter that we're going to undergo because of being teachers. So, you know, I was was reading something by Charles Spurgeon, who's considered the, the prince of preachers. And he said something about teaching And he was reflecting upon a particular verse out of Exodus. In Exodus it says, If thou thou lift up thy tool upon it, it shall be polluted. That's in Exodus 20, verse 25. And what he was saying is, when you're building an altar, use stones, but don't put a tool on the stones. In other words, I don't want the stones cut with anything in, in particular. Just use directly, use directly, Uh, uh, those stones. And here's what Spurgeon says about that. He says, God's altar was to be built of unhewn stones, that no trace of human skill or labor might be seen upon it. Human wisdom delights to trim and arrange the doctrines of the cross into a system more artificial and more congenial with the depraved tastes of fallen nature. Instead, however of improving the the gospel, carnal wisdom pollutes it until it becomes another gospel and not the truth of God at all. All alterations and amendments of the Lord's own word are defilements and pollutions. Many professors may take warning from this text as to the doctrines which they believe. There is among Christians far too much inclination to square and reconcile the truth of Revelation. This is a form of irreverence and unbelief. Let us strive against it and receive truth as we find it, 
rejoicing that the doctrines of the Word are unhewn stones, and so are all the more fit to be built to an altar for the Lord. So, when we teach, he says, he says, you know, this is something in particular pretty special. And then he's going to go in, in just the next verses, and start talking about the tongue. But to teachers in particular, he's focusing in on this verse in particular. Now, the Bible also does say that teaching is a gift. It is something that God gives. It is one of several gifts that He can give. So, if you look, for example, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we have this, this chapter on giftings that God gives to the body of Christ, God gives in the church, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And so all of those questions demands then a negative answer. The answer is no. So not are all prophets, not are all teachers. God has giftings for people. And He has a gifting, at least one gifting for all of us, but usually multiple giftings. And there will be different strengths in the giftings that He gives us. God does that. God doesn't just do that in the church, but particularly within the church. This is the list of gifts that He gives within the church. And if you turn over then a few books to Ephesians, talks about the same thing. Ephesians 4.11 says, And He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and as teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. So God gives a gift of teaching, not for one's own good, but for the building up of the body of Christ, for the equipping of the body of Christ. God gives gifts. He gives some as apostles, He gives prophets, He gives gives, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gives them for the building up of the body of Christ. God is able to do this. God does this sort of thing. He gives giftings. There are other lists that He gives. He talks about gifts of administration. Some people are tremendous administrators. And you say, what do you mean by administrator? I mean being able to organize something. So you have a group of disordered people. A person with a gift of administration can walk in and immediately say, you, go over there, start doing this. This group of people go over there. And people start following this. And this is good. Jesus had that gift of administration. Remember, there were 5,000 people. He had them sit down in groups of 50 or groups of 100. He had them sit down. He said, seat them now in these specific size groups. He was able to administrate. You give the microphone to someone who's not an administrator and it remains chaotic. They're like, um, uh, what do you think we should do here? And, you know, you've got a crowd of 300 people. What, what do you think we should do? Well, and obviously that person doesn't have that gift. 
But what's interesting about the gifts is that the more we use them, the greater the blessing in them. God gives gifts and He begins to underscore as we begin to do things and serve in the body of Christ. Gifts of helps, the Scriptures talk about. Gifts of service. Some people are just love serving. Now, all of us are called to serve. But some in particular just love serving. Setting things up, getting things ready. That's their gifting. They love working behind the scenes. They don't want to be in front of a microphone. God gives giftings. And what you'll see is that where your giftings lie is often... I'm sorry, where your, your, your uh, pleasures lie is often where your giftings are. So in other words, people who have gifts of service enjoy serving very often. Not that they're never tired, not that they don't get worn out, but God calls us very often and we're good at something. When you're good at something, you generally enjoy it more. This is what I tell students who are struggling with organic chemistry. I say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, you know, I, I want to be a physician. Well, you know, medical school is a lot like organic chemistry. You, there's a lot of things you have to, to memorize and know, and, and, and it's, it's a lot of information that comes at you. And I say, what do you really like doing? What do you, well, I like, I like English literature. I love to read it. I say, well, let's, Let's go with that for a while. Let's think about that. And then we start thinking about occupations that, that might use that sort of talent. Or they love writing. And then all of a sudden I'll see them from being very depressed students who are the poorest in their classes to being some of the best students and excited because they're doing something that they love. Gifts very often are the same way. But other people will see that too. For example... If you think that you have a gift of, of uh, singing in worship and nobody else agrees, guess what? All right, so very often people will begin to agree with, with, they'll underscore that for you. They'll say, wow, you know, I never understood that teaching until I heard you speaking about it. You know, it all made sense. But if... And, and so there are different gifts that God gives, and the more we're willing to use them, the better they get. You see, in, in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about this, and He in fact speaks about it quite forcefully, talking about the gifts, in particular He's speaking of the talents, of pieces of money. But this is very much in line with the giftings that he gives us. So there's this parable of the talents where he calls these people and he gives one five talents, another two talents, and another one talent. And, and, um, and he says, he says uh, uh, I want you to go and, and, and uh, deal with these things and when I come back, give an account. And so when he returns, he says in verse 22... Um, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 19, now after, uh, Matthew 25, verse 19, Now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought, them, brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. So look at the lesson there. God gives talents, 
The man works with them, gets five talents more, returns all that to the master. The master doesn't just say, oh, well, for your labors you can keep three talents. I mean, all of the talents came from the master. So, so everything was given by the master. So you have an investment firm, and the firm gives you a million dollars to invest and sees what you do with it. Then you come back and you bring back two million dollars. They don't just say, oh, keep the two million dollars, that's all yours. No, they, they, because that belonged to the firm. Nonetheless, this master says, because you have done this, I'm going to put you in charge of many things, and you're going to enter the joy of your master. You're going to be put in charge of a lot, and you're going to have joy in it. Because you exercised the things that I gave you. In verse 22, And the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So you see, the reward, because it was commensurate with what, what was given. So, so not every teacher is Charles Spurgeon, you know, the master pulpiteer. But if we exercise according to that which God has given us in whatever our gifting, then God brings us into the same blessing. He says, you're going to be put in charge of a lot now, and you're going to receive the joy of your master. He doesn't take the two-talent person and compare him to the five-talent person and say, well, why didn't you get five more out of this? He says, commensurate with what I have given you, you have used it. And then verse 24, And the one to whom was, who received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow, and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have, to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, will be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness, into the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, there's a similar passage. Just keep your finger there. Look in Luke chapter 19. There's a parallel passage, and Luke reports it. And there's an interesting thing reported in this. So that is in Luke chapter 19, starting around verse 12. And you, if, you, if you read down in verse 22, this is, this is the, the, the last slave. He says, he said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you not know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping where I did not sow? So you see, he, he judges him by his own words. This last slave says, you know, I know you are hard. You are a taskmaster. This is the way the man viewed the master. And this is exactly what, we got, what he got. 
If we know God to be loving and kind and gracious, we receive so much more love and kindness. If we view Him as a hard taskmaster, we will function in that way, as if He was a hard taskmaster. But what He does, because this individual does not take His talent and use it, He doesn't just take it away, He says, He calls him a wicked and lazy slave, and he says, throw him into a place of of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this may bother you, but remember, this is Jesus speaking, and God is quite able to do what he wants, and he's quite quite a bit more merciful than you and I are. He is really very merciful. If God gives us talents and we do not use them for His glory, even what He has given us will dry up. If God has given you a particular talent, He has called you to use it. And the more you use it, the more you will receive. Because He says, look, you brought, we bring it back to the Master. Look, Lord, you gave me this talent in serving. In the particular context of what we're reading in James, you've given me this talent, Lord, in teaching. So I went and I did this teaching. It was hard for me. I felt stretched beyond where I was able. But I offer it up to you, Lord. And you know what God does? He says, enter into the joy of your Master. And now I'm going to give you more. I'm going to put more upon you. We're even more uncomfortable to cause you to grow. This is what He does again and again. He says, let not all of you, let not many of you become teachers. You weren't all called to that. We have different callings and different gifts. Now let me, let me give you some background just from a personal standpoint. Um, it turned out that as I, as I came to the Lord, I came to the Lord at the age of 18. And a couple years later I was asked to to um, you know, teach a little Bible study group. And I taught this little Bible study group. Very difficult for me. Because here I was now, like 20 or 21 years old, and I was teaching this Bible study group. And in this group, it wasn't just people my age. There were adults in this group. So it was harder. And I did it. And then I was asked to teach another group that was even more adults. And then as I went on, you know, again and again cast into situations that were very difficult for me. So then we got into a prison ministry and I had to leave this prison ministry and go in week after week and teach these men in these prisons. And, you know, I've never been in jail myself. I've gone into a lot of prisons, but I've never been incarcerated. That's what I mean. Never been in handcuffs. and And I pray I never have to be. But so, so this was an unusual environment for me. And, and uh, uh, so I would go in there terribly nervous and so dependent on God. And year by year, he would teach me more and more, learning to depend on him. You know, there was a time that, that I had to go and they would have this big gathering out in the blazing hot sun. And you'd be out on the prison yard. And then just, you know, some lifting weights over here, some just smoking cigarettes over there and murmuring over there. And they'd say, there's your pulpit. And... It was the back of a flatbed truck. So you go with your Bible, and you jump up on this flatbed truck, and there's a microphone on the, on, the, on the bed of the truck. You pick up, and you start talking. 
And, and, and you've got, you know, 300, 500 inmates just walking around. And somehow, you've got to get their attention and preach a message. And you've got 30 minutes to be in and out. And that's your time. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's kind of rough. And year after year, as you serve, God gives more and more and more grace. He gives more and more. And then even in the times that I go in and I give a teaching and I feel, you know, I just didn't connect. Lord, I really blew this one. I really didn't connect. You know, His love just abounds over and over again. You know, and I, and I take these messages now and... And just in the last several years, I've been putting them up on the Internet, just because with the ease of recording and, and webcasting and, and putting them up on the web as, as, as uh, podcasts. And occasionally I get messages. And it's interesting, from all around the world, the different people that, that, uh, that read these. And let me just read you one that just came in this past week. And this is from a, a, a policeman who he's written, to, he's written to me once or twice over the years in the past. And so I know he's a policeman somewhere in the South, maybe Arkansas or Alabama. And he wrote, he wrote me this email just this week. He said, here's an interesting story for you. I was listening to your podcast on suffering building character in my patrol car tonight, and I was thinking to myself how much I really needed to hear this right now. I was so moved and uplifted that I decided to send you an email to thank you again for the show. But about three-fourths of the way through the podcast, I got, I, I got to a call to a suicide attempt, a man with a shotgun. So I paused the podcast. I arrived to find a drunken man with a shotgun in his mouth. About a year ago, he had watched his grandson drown whilst trying to save his other grandson. We were able to get the shotgun away from the man before he shot himself, but he was still very violent, so he had to be taken to jail to sober up and get some help. I got back to the car. I turned on the MP3 player back on, MP3 player back on just in time to hear you wrap up and pray. It was very moving, and I had to take a minute and let what had just happened soak in. So thanks again. I listened to a lot of shows, but for some reason yours had a habit of hitting at just the right time on a regular basis. And that's it. And, you know, you get things like this and you think, oh, you mean that message that I thought I didn't connect with? That message. You know, who knows what the Lord's going to do with the little things that we offer up? Who knows what the Lord is going to do? He calls us and He gives us giftings. And we walk in those. We're to walk in what He's called us to. You know, there were times that, that I would have to go into that prison and the guys that I was supposed to go with, and, and they always recommend you don't do the prison ministry alone. You always go in, and, and it wasn't always out on the open yard. It was more often they'd let you in and, and they'd lock the door behind you. And uh, so you're in this, this area, I think it had about 75 men, and there were their individual cells, and I just go around and say, we're going to have Bible study, and there was this room, and there was no one in there of any authority, it was just me, and there's a guard outside the door there, but now I'm upstairs, and you're just locked in there with these men, and, and so there were days that the other guys didn't come, and for a while there, I had an ulcer, and it was so painful to stand up 
because there was no lectern, there was no podium, you're just given a room. And you go in this room and then the guys come in and they sit down and, and I'm standing there and it was so hard to do this. And you wonder, well, why do you do this? Why do you serve? I mean, this wasn't my job. This wasn't what I was paid to do. I'm not paid to go and give Bible studies. I make my salary at the university. But it's because of a calling. It's because God calls us. It's because the lover of my soul. And this is the motivation that he brings us to. Let me turn, let me turn now to the book of Hosea. This is the type of thing that drives me. This is what's going to have to drive you in your lives to work in the giftings that God has given you. God has given you giftings maybe of teaching. He's given you giftings of service. He has put something of abilities in you. And you are to exercise those gifts of service. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's one-on-one speaking to others. Maybe it's discipleship. God has called you to something. Let me show you what motivates me. In those days when I, when I had an ulcer and it was so hard to even stand there. And I would just go there and share with these guys. And then I would go and the guy would have to come and let me out. And so I'd go... And then after this, I'd go knock on the door, and sometimes the guy wasn't around to let me out now. And I'd go knock on the door and look through the, the bars there, and there's, there's no guard out standing out there to let me out. So there's nothing to do, you know. And I know that the administration knows I'm in there, but there's nothing to do. So I just sit down. Because what happens, I, I had already exited the area where the men were, so one door has shut behind me, but I, and that's now locked. And so there's this, there's this vacant area. So there's, you're all alone in this area. And, you know, I'm just sitting there. And why would I do this? Don't I have a job? Don't I have a family? I have four kids at home. This is why. Look at Hosea, chapter 2, verse 14. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak kindly to her. This is what the Lord said about Israel. This is what He has said to me. When I was 18 years old, I got saved. And in my room came that day, this man, Jesus Christ. And I remember the sweetness of that day all alone in my room. On November 7th of my freshman year of college, when Jesus came into my life, the sweetness of His presence. He says, therefore, I will allure her Bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. He brings us into the wilderness and He speaks to us. It is in the wilderness experiences that you and I grow. It is in those experiences. And when we try to shelter ourselves from these things and say, no, it's too hard. It's too hard. I I know that there's other people better out there that can do this better than me. We miss. He's kindly speaking to us in the midst of this wilderness experience. It is through this that we grow tremendously. It is this lover of my soul that I serve. He says, I will allure her. Jesus draws me. When I got saved that day, it was as if He took me by the hand and He started to lead me out of the things of this world. And I'd keep stopping 
and I pick up these things, these objects from the world, and be enamored with them. And he just tugs on me, let's go. And I'd still sometimes stick them in my pocket. (laughs) And as he's walking with me, I'd take them out and be allured by the things of the world. And he keeps year after year drawing me out of these things. It is in service that we see the greatness of his love. In serving him. He says, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. This is what He does with us. This is what drives us. He says, you're not all called to be teachers. Teachers are going to undergo a stricter judgment. Why? Because we're using our mouths to teach things. And He's about to start speaking in the book of James, in the epistle of James, about the tongue and how difficult it is to control the tongue. Nonetheless, He's given each of us gifts. And each of you has a gift that is to be exercised in the body of Christ. You will have one particular gift that you're really good at, and then you will have other gifts that you're maybe not as good at, but will still help and to assist you in manifesting that greatest gift that you have. I don't know what that gift is for each of you, but as you serve the Lord, it will become more and more evident People will say, wow, you're really good at organizing. You're really good at pulling things together. You may have this gift of administration. You may be really good at discipling one-on-one. You know, somebody came to me this week and they, they talked about discipling students on campus and things. And I said, you know, I'm much better at speaking than I am at listening. I said, there's people better than I am at discipling. Nonetheless, I'll be willing to work with you to build up a group of disciplers. You will begin to recognize where your gifts are so that you can execute it. And if you're gifted in something, though it might be hard, it doesn't drain you completely. If you're not gifted in something, just even the thought of doing it totally wipes you out. Wipes you out totally. We are called at times to work in areas where we're not particularly gifted. Nonetheless, we have to do it at times. But it's not where you want to be every day. And it's as you use those gifts, as you use those talents, Jesus says, hey, you did a good job. There were five talents and you got five talents more. Remember, it says the master went away for a long time and then came back. Well, if you've If it's, you know, who knows how long that time was. Maybe it was 20 years. Maybe it was 30 years. To double one's money in 30 years is not very good. Nonetheless, it was good in the Lord's eyes because he saw what this man wanted to do. You exercise that gift that God has given you and more will come. Maybe you're good at working with kids. Maybe you're good at working with young people. And that may transition over the years to working more with older people. God moves people along in their lives and transitions them from one thing into another. But as you exercise the talent, it says you will be put in charge of many things now. You will be put in charge of many things. How did you get so much responsibility in your life? How did you get into that position? One day, my, my daughter was, was, was little, and she walked into my office, and one of the students walked in and said, Hey, boss, what should I do? I said, Go do this. And she said, 
I want people to call me boss. Well, not sure they're going to for a while. So <laughs> you, you get to certain positions. Jesus said, you will be given responsibility over much and enter the joy of your master. You will begin to have joy in that. As opposed to you wicked and lazy slave. You knew me to be a hard man. You look at me as a hard man. This is exactly how I will deal with you in hardness. You did nothing to exercise the gift that I've given you. Therefore, what you have, what I gave you, shall be taken away from you. And not only that, you will be thrown into a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at the difference. The joy of your master, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where would you rather be? But it's very specific on what you have to do. It's very specific. You exercise in the talents that God has given you. Maybe that's sharing. Maybe that's inviting people. I mean, some people... Let me give you the example, and I really admire these folks. They are people magnets. They go around... There was, there was a, a kid named, named uh, Scott, who I knew 25 years ago. And he was in a home group that Shireen and I had a little Bible study group in our home once a week, meeting in the evenings, where we'd invite students in. And the home group grew because... Not because of me, but because of Scott. Scott was this people magnet. All throughout the day, just being a normal student who he was, he was a graduate student getting his master's in something, he would meet people and he'd invite them to the home group. And so he'd always come with one or two friends. And so this home group would grow to this large size and then divide. And I'd always keep Scott in my home group. And then the home group would grow again and then divide because Scott was this people magnet. There was another one we had here at, at, at Westview. It was uh, Trisha, and some of you know her. I mean, she's even spoken in this class at times when I was away. She's a missionary now to um, Darfur. And she was a people magnet. So she was in, in uh, Texas uh, Women's Hospital or some, uh, uh, studying to be a, a physical therapist. I used to tease her. I said, the only limiting factor in you bringing more people to church is the size of your car. She used to drive a Geo. You know, I don't know if you know what a Geo is, but it's about, it, it, it's not much bigger than a smart car. <laughs> and she used to pile people into this car. She was a people magnet. She could just draw people and she would bring in unbelievers into the church. The unbelievers would become believers and then she'd bring in more and bring in more. Just an absolute people magnet. Maybe some of you have that gift. Exercise it where you have this tremendous talent in meeting people and you bring them in. This is a tremendous blessing in the body of Christ. Different people have different talents. And you draw them in. You exercise that talent and you will experience something. You will experience more and more responsibility and you will experience joy. The joy of your Master. And remember, the one who calls you to this is the lover of your soul. This one who will take you, bring you into the wilderness, and in that context, begin to speak to your heart. Because it is in the service of Him 
when you're in this wilderness, that He'll really speak to you. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the mercies of God, the kindness of God, that You give talents and You give gifts and You call us to certain things. Father, thank You for all that You've done in and through us. I pray for these young people that they would walk in the talents that You have for them and this would become more and more evident to them as they go throughout their lives. Father, work in their lives, I pray. Make them of good service in the body of Christ and use them for your glory. And I ask in the name of Jesus.